0: There's a lot of tension out in the community. Have you felt that? There's a lot of tension between people who believe different. There's a lot of tension between people who look different. There's a lot of tension between people who behave different. And what I've been feeling is we're struggling in that tension of that. Because when there's tension, and I don't know about you, but this kind of happens and can easily creep into my heart. When I'm dealing with some of those tensions and the other person responds in a hostile, angry kind of way, there's something in me that wants to respond in a hostile and angry way. Anyone else? Okay, a few hands go up in confession. Confession is great for the soul. The Bible says to do it. We don't pass the microphone and do confession Sundays here and make everyone confess their sins. But sometimes that little hand that goes, yeah, that's me. That can be really good for the soul, <laughs> right? See, we believe as followers of Jesus, we believe as men, women, boys, and girls at this church who believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God that this points us to Jesus, that this points us to who God is, this points us to life and everything that is important. We, because we believe that, we take very seriously the mandate that Jesus gives to the church, to individual Christians, to families, to local churches, to the big C church, the mandate to become like Jesus, That's the end game is that all of us are on this journey of dying to ourselves, dying to our own, like I said, narcissistic tendencies, where it's all about me and what I get and the blessing I receive or the influence that I have or the power that I have or the education that I have, whatever that is. And we lay all of that down and that we can honestly say with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strengths, not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, how many for you? That's easy in every part of your life. Okay, good. We're confessing this morning. It's hard and it feels like it's getting harder. It feels like it's getting harder, that the world that we live in is complicated. This world is gray. There's no black and white. There's no truth and no truth. It's all just subjective and gray. And we navigate this as churches and as individual Christians in this world that we live in this tension that what does it even mean to become like Jesus? What does it even mean to become like Jesus? And so that's why we're going through this very tiny letter in your New Testament, which is titled, One John. It's, one, it's the first little letter that the Apostle John wrote to a church that honestly was struggling with pretty much the exact same things that you and I are struggling with. Now, it might look a little bit different in the details, but the heart behind the struggle is the same. And so John wrote this pastorally. He wrote this as a spiritual father. He wrote this as a pastor who loves his church and desperately wants his church to know Jesus Desperately wants his church to know what it means to live by the power of the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. And you fathers in the room, you can relate to this. You know, sometimes as a father, and you mothers can relate to this too, but as a spiritual father here, John sometimes has to say some things that are hard. You as a father, have you ever told your kid something that was hard? Oh, just me. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Right? Sometimes we have to say something, you know, you, you and your dad and you have to punish your kid and you go, "This is going to hurt me more than it hurt you. Anyone ever say those words? Every kid knew you were lying because it doesn't hurt you, but you know what? It actually does kids. There is something when we have to discipline, when we have to speak, when we have to kind of correct, it's hard. It hurts sometimes. Right? And I think this is what goes on here in John's letter as well. That he actually is writing some stuff that we as children, it's going to be hard to hear. But you have to understand it's coming from the heart of a pastor. It's coming from a heart of a father who loves his church. So if anything that I say today sounds hard, it's coming out of a heart that loves you. It's coming out of a heart that wants the best for your family. It's coming out of a heart that desperately wants to see you, your family, and this church look more and more like Jesus. <laughs> okay? Because the text we're going to read today has got some challenging things that we have to work through. So to set that up a little bit, if you missed last week, we started this off last week kind of just talking about this idea of becoming like Jesus. And last week we saw how the big idea was that becoming like Jesus is a journey of confessing, obeying, and loving. That's the, that's the Christian journey in a real, very simple statement, <laughs> right? It's confessing. Where have I messed up? Where have I fallen short? Where have I allowed something icky to get into my heart? When do, where have I built up resentments against other people, especially other Christians? And how do I deal with that? Obeying. When Jesus says to do something, do I actually do it? When the word of God says this is important and should be a part of my life, do I actually submit to that authority or do I listen to the world? And then Loving. I say this one all the time. This has been kind of, I learned this from a spiritual mentor of mine like 22 years ago. If you are less loving today in your journey with Jesus than you were three years ago, we need to evaluate our journey with Jesus. <laughs> it's the way it works. <laughs> if I am less loving today than I was at March of 2020, then something went off the rails. <laughs> It's a journey of loving. Now, you might go through a valley of hurt and pain and suffering, and you kind of are where you are at, and that's okay. But the end game is to become like Jesus. See, John writes this letter to a church that's dealing with a whole lot of mess. John writes this letter to a church where teachers and, 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 and what they call prophets, they were self-proclaimed prophets and teachers coming into the church And disrupting the teaching of the real apostles, who John is one of them. John is the apostle whom Jesus loved. John was there at the crucifixion of Jesus. John was there. John's actually the last living apostle who writes the last book of our Bible, where he gets a vision of the end to come. Right? And... So John writes this to deal with these false teachers, these false prophets, because people, men and women were creeping in to the church saying, well, Jesus isn't really God. He's just a good idea. He's a rabbi. He might even be a prophet, but he's not God. Or other people coming in say, well, he wasn't a man. Or he was a man, but then he became God. That You can start off as human, and by following all these rules and all these traditions and all these commandments, then you can become God. They were teaching things like, well, you know what? You don't need to be married. Just do whatever you want. Live however you want. Telling women, you could just live any style, any way. Telling men, just sleep with anybody. It doesn't matter. And people were coming into the church and saying these kinds of things to people, and here's the thing about lies is they sound amazing. And we follow them easily and blindly because there's something in our flesh that fights against the Holy Spirit in us and we love the lie and we let it tug and so that's why John chapter, first John chapter one starts off with this idea that there are two kingdoms. <laughs> there is a kingdom of light, and there is a kingdom of darkness. And the Bible teaches us that there is no gray. <laughs> that the world is either in the kingdom of light, or in the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> and I know that's difficult and challenging to hear, but it's just what this. Bible teaches us. And so John with his pastor's heart, he's addressing these things head on. Have you ever noticed this in your family when there's a major problem in your family, how does ignoring it work? Never. Never, right? If you're like me, very introverted and don't like conflict, it feels great to ignore it. Until all the emails come and the text messages come and the phone call, "Kevin, do you believe that this person..." Did, 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 did. and it's like, "Why am I in the middle of this?" like, if I I would have dealt with this seven years ago, maybe I wouldn't have this problem today, (laughs) right? Ignoring it doesn't help. And so John addresses this head on. And that's why we're using this series for us to address this head on. What does it mean to become like Jesus in a very, very messy, confusing culture where it's very gray when we believe it's black and white, light and darkness? So what I want to do, just setting that up a little bit for us is read from 1 John chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to read along and follow with me in it. And if you're here with us today and you do not own a paper Bible, I'd love to give you one today as a gift. We have a big stack of them in the back, and our volunteers would love to give you one as a gift, no strings attached. I believe every family should own a Bible. And if you're joining us at Greenbelt Online and you don't own one, email me, kevin at greenbelt.church, and we'll get a Bible to you wherever you are in the world. And I have literally sent Bibles around the world. I believe everyone should have one. Okay, so 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to start reading here in verse 15. And it says this, um, do not love the world or anything in the world. And if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Yeah, okay, let's just stop and go home. Do not love the world or anything in the world. How many of you were really honest just with that one verse right there? You know, there's actually some stuff I love. Like, I, I love my lazy boy recliner. And I love my TV. And I love, after a Sunday morning of worshiping and preaching and hanging out with all of you and having coffee with you and meeting new people and, having, and all that, then ah, I just love to go home and put my feet up and be very Lazy. And very focused on me and what I'm going to get for the rest of the afternoon, right? There's a lot of things that the world is trying to get you to love. Just watch any TV show and look at all the commercials. (laughs) Love this car. Love this restaurant. Love this product. Love this. Love this. Love this. And right away he starts, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Right? And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. <laughs> lives forever. And then he goes into some warnings here, and he says, "Dear, dear, sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, dear children, this is the last hour." And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. When he says us here, he's talking about the apostles, talking about the teaching of the followers of Jesus, the apostles here. That people had come in, they're learning from them for a little while taking positions of authority and leadership in the church, and then not following them anymore. All right. And then it continues in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And this anointing, we learn as we study the Bible, and we'll see later on in this letter, this is Holy Spirit. This is when you turned, repented of your sin, you gave your life to Jesus, that you have received an anointing. This Holy Spirit comes in you, right? So you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do not, sorry, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar, right? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son, And no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. He's talking about this gospel, this good news of Jesus. The fact that there's this creator God in heaven, and sin separates us. And Jesus Jesus came, fully God and fully man, in order to restore humanity's position with God the Father. That there's an atonement for sin. That that sin had to be paid for. But because God loves you, you don't have to pay for sin. God pays for your sin. That's what they have heard from the beginning. And he's saying, let that remain in you. (laughs) Right? If it does, you will also remain in the Son and the Father. And this is what he promises us. Eternal life he continues, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. There's a very intentionality with this word here that there are people that John is calling liars who are not just making mistakes. It's not someone who just read a Bible passage and they just interpreted it wrong. That there are people trying to lie you, and they're working intentionally at it. I know it's a very happy topic today. Okay, Then it continues. Yeah, but as for you, the anointing you received, again, Holy Spirit in you and on you, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. We'll come back to that, because it's like, great, I don't have to listen to Pastor Kevin or come to church. No one has to teach me nothing. I've got all things. Holy Spirit can show me whatever I want. Not what this means. We'll come back. Right? He goes, all the things that the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just has been taught you remain in him. Again, this is a challenging, challenging little text here. Right? And in here are warnings for us. If we truly want to be men, women, boys and girls who love the Lord and want to become like Jesus... And we wrestle with what does that mean in our culture today? We actually even wrestle with it because we now actually, I've just read this great book and I meant to write down the title and I'm blanking out on it. So if you want to know the title of the book, email me, I'll send it to you. But it's the title, I can't, ah, I wish I could remember, it's gone. But it's, um, we live in a culture today where we're not even just kind of discouraged from becoming like Jesus. We live in a culture today that views that life choice to be dangerous to culture. We're not just weird anymore. We're the bad guys now. There's a shift. And then we wrestle with, well, why would I want to become like Jesus to be seen as the bad guy? messy. It's challenging. And so we have to speak truth from God's word to equip us in this crazy culture. Right. And again, as we shared last week, because this is a spiritual battle, this is not a battle against people. These people are not our enemy. These people who don't believe like we do are the prize. (laughs) They're why we sacrifice. They're why we lay down our lives. They're why we are generous. It's so that we can become like Jesus so that they can get a little tiny taste of the kingdom and presence of God. And then I heard someone, a volunteer told me this morning that they treat these people like pre-Christian. That they're going to become Christian one day. Do we actually believe that? (laughs) They're not the enemy. They're the prize. Just like you were the prize. (laughs) When you came to Jesus. And so the big idea that I want us to unpack in the remainder of our time together is this. As we figure out these warnings for us. Is that becoming like Jesus is a journey of discerning truth from lie. It's a part of the journey. (laughs) You know, the first part of the journey is that we're going to be confessing, obeying, and loving And then we continue on a journey of discerning, discerning between the truth and the lie, between darkness and light so, John, in this section here, it's funny, my, my sermons are always three points. It's because I'm Baptist, I guess. I don't know. That's what they taught me in seminary. But I find there's always three. I pick a passage, there's three. So we have three little points here that I want us to see in these warnings that John gives to the church that's wrestling with a messy culture. That's messing with lies that are creeping in to the church. Creeping into the hearts of people who say they believe in Jesus. I say I believe in Jesus, but I believe something very, very different than what Jesus and the apostles taught. There's tension there. So three things here, three warnings to help us become more like Jesus. And I believe if we really grasp these, they'll actually help us deal with becoming like Jesus in our culture today. Because, again, John's culture, culture is just as messy as ours. Right? And so the first is this, is dealing with the last hour. Dealing with the last hour. Okay? So we see this here in verse 18, where John, again, you can see the language here. He's writing spiritual father, pastor, writing to a church. He calls them his children. And it's not like just, oh, my disobedient, bad, horrible, little sinful children who get nothing right. It's not what he calls them. They are his dear children. Dear children, this is the last hour. We have to kind of wrestle with that a little bit going, what does this term mean, this last hour? Well, in many places in your New Testament, including the teachings of Jesus himself, there is this reference to this last hour. And this last hour refers to Jesus's second coming. That Jesus came as servant, and not just servant, but suffering servant 2,000 years ago, again, to be that atonement sacrifice for sin, but then he comes again soon, the Bible teaches us, to become Lord and King for eternity, And so this last hour refers to that. There's other examples of this term. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 13, where it says this, besides this, know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, and he talks about this time and this hour, right? And what's fascinating, again, there's a lot of tension when it comes to this second coming of Jesus. There's a lot of tension on different types of pre-tribulation and post-tribulation and all these different doctrinal things that we wrestle with. And it's good to wrestle with them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why we did a series last year on the book of Revelation. If you didn't see it and you want to go through it, it's on our YouTube page. Go back, check that out. And there's challenges in dealing with all of this Jesus returning topic But what's fascinating about John's language here is it's in the present tense. John is not talking about a future to come. John says, this is the last hour. And there's a difference when you think about the last hour as just some future thing that I probably won't have to deal with it, because 2,000 years of Christians before me didn't have to deal with it. So maybe I'll get lucky on that dice roll as well, too. And I don't have to worry about a tribulation. I don't have to worry about all this second coming and judgment and wrath and blah, 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 all this stuff that's in there. And that's why we created a doctrine around pan-tribulation, because it's all just going to pan out, and it doesn't matter, right? And I'm not ever going to suffer from we'll have to even worry about it. I'm just going to live my life. That's why I think the idea of dealing with the last hour is crucial, that it's not simply a future thing. It's right now. The last hour has already come, right? Jesus makes many, many references, right? To people who will come with a false authority. And when Jesus teaches about people who come with a false authority, a false authority, He actually says they even come with a false power, that they will do miracles, that they will do amazing things, that they will be incredibly wise, and they will do phenomenal things. But yet, they will lead many, 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 many people astray. And John says... There is one that will come. He mentions that there is this one who will come. But he says, but the antichrists, plural, are already here. And this is like, we talked about this a little bit last week. When we forget that there actually is a spiritual battle. We live life like we're in peacetime. We live life... Like everything is just about me sitting on my lazy boy watching Netflix instead of preparing and equipping and engaging in the battle. It's now, right? The spiritual battle is now. The great battle between God and Satan, where you are the prize where your family is the prize, where your workplace is the prize, where this church is the prize, where your neighbors are the prize. Right now, there's a battle for the heart and the soul of every single person, right? And as we are growing in our faith in Jesus, we notice this more. We feel the tension of it more, We kind of feel like, oh my goodness, I I, I feel this way, or I believe this way, or God's calling me to this, and yet I'm receiving more and more and more and more and more hits against it. That's happening because you're in the last hour. It's not happening because you're a bad Christian. It's not happening because your faith is too weak. It's not happening because you're not spiritual enough, or reading your Bible enough, or all these things we tell people, why am I struggling you're struggling because we're in the last hour. <laughs> and there's a tension with that. And now the, one of the things that we really have to deal with when it comes to this teaching of the last hour, you're all looking at it like, oh, I smoke. I can't believe this is what we're talking about today. Gets better. Trust me. <laughs> is there's two things that we have to kind of deal with with the last hour. One is just accept the reality that you're in it. And maybe you can't. And that's okay today. I'm just teaching you what it says. And you might leave here today going, what a nut job. I've been called worse. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm just teaching you what it says. But so you cannot believe it. Or we can, if we believe in the Bible, we got to submit to what the Bible says. And we got to accept the reality of this last hour. But then, what we have to do in this last hour is we actually have to be able to properly identify Antichrist, plural. Not the big A Antichrist later. When we're all on YouTube and making videos about is it this politician or is it this business leader, it's Elon Musk or it's this person or it's that person, and all these, there's some, the YouTube out it goes deep that rabbit hole, okay? <laughs> And that's some fun things to speculate about, but we have to be very careful about this stuff, right? The last hour is now, and that's the second warning that we have to deal with as we learn and grow and become more like Jesus. We have to learn how to deal with Jesus' deniers. How do we deal with Jesus' deniers, right? right? This verse here, it clearly tells us who these antichrists are at work. Like this passage clearly says... Who is an Antichrist? Right in first John chapter two, verses twenty-two and twenty-three, it says this whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is an Antichrist. They're denying the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Right? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, that's the test. That's the bar. That's the person that John is warning us about. And I think that one verse, everyone, you should underline that verse in your Bible. Because I don't see any bumper stickers or fridge magnets made on this one. They don't sell this verse at Christian bookstores. Okay? Maybe someone should make one. Maybe you'll make $7. Okay? Okay? But whoever denies Jesus, okay, denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is the Antichrist. That is who we need to be warned about, right? See, an Antichrist is not just someone that you disagree with theologically. See, we got to be very mindful when we attack one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because we... Come to a different conclusion about theology, or we come to a different interpretation of a certain verse or a certain passage, right? We're quick to jump into language like heretic, false, antichrist. <laughs> I shared last week, I had zero intention of sharing the story that I shared last week, and I didn't share it as to be a hero, but I had to just, God just brought it out. i was like, oh no, why'd you open your mouth about that? Where I had allowed bad feelings to creep into my heart about a pastor in this city. So I took him out for coffee this week and I cried and I asked for his forgiveness and he forgave me and it went Beautifully. Because we need to have a good relationship, even if we don't agree on everything. He's not an antichrist to me. I am not an antichrist to him. And because we're in this tension of dealing with a gray culture, we're fighting for black and white. And if a church down the road, their white looks a little different than our white, someone's white has to be gray. So someone's got to be wrong, and it's not me. (laughs) That's the way we work, (laughs) right? It's got to be them. It's got to be him. It's got to be her, (laughs) right? And so there's this tension out there that we have to learn to navigate, right? There are bad teachers out there, absolutely, right? But sometimes someone's just a bad teacher um, because they just don't know yet, (laughs) I have said stuff from here in my 13 years here that I don't believe anymore. And I won't tell you which sermons those are so you don't Google them and look them up. Because it's like, huh, I might have been wrong on that one. And I fed you that. And some of you kind of went, oh, smokes, Pastor Kevin, what a heretic. I'm never coming back to Greenbelt again. Some people respond that way. And other people respond, okay, that's his view. That's okay, but we're on this journey, and just because someone might be bad, they messed up a sermon, doesn't make them an antichrist, we know what the bar is. Who are we on watch for? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's the warning sign. If you let a pastor become the pastor of a church who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ, and there are churches that have that, you're in trouble. If you have elders and deacons and small group leaders and kid zone leaders and fusion leaders who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ in leadership, we're in trouble. That's the bar. We've got to be very, very serious about this. Right? He identifies them this way because they're spreading false teaching about Jesus. Right, And if you have false teaching about Jesus, then you, it messes up your entire salvation. I mean, we can argue about modes of baptism and how often we should do communion and should communion be wafers or bread. Or We can argue about leadership. We can argue about church buildings and multi-site and mega churches and all of these different things. <laughs> But Jesus, we got to get right. That Jesus is the son of God. He is fully God and fully man. That he lived a sinless life. And that he came to earth to point people back to the kingdom of God. He came to set the captives free. He came to give Uh, sight to the blind. He came to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cure the leper, and to do all of these things so that you and I would experience freedom from sin. And that one day that we would be in the full presence of the glory of God, not by any religion that we kept, but because Jesus is the Christ and that he died for us. And we believed that. And we camped out on that. And we made that our everything. Right? That's why this is so crucial, especially in the messy culture. Anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ, according to John here, that's where the lies creep in. So we got to realize and ask ourselves the tough question. Is my life being influenced by someone who denies that Jesus is not the Christ? <laughs> and I think for most of us, we'll have to say at some place in our life, the answer is yes. What part of my life am I allowing to be influenced by someone who clearly states that Jesus is not the Christ? Now, it doesn't mean we got to go on this rampage and go and burn down all non-christian don't do that but you have to realize what are we truly allowing into our heart what influence am i really letting in there and be real with that and let god work in that okay and i'm going to show you how we work through that through this third and final warning that john gives here it's dealing with the holy spirit teaching us dealing with the Holy Spirit teaching us, right? Here in verse 20 of chapter 2, again, I kind of explained this already. It said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, right? He talks, this is the Holy Spirit, this anointing that's come upon the believing community, right? And so John appeals to their knowledge of the truth, right? And then he's actually going to set the rest of the letter is based off of this truth, <laughs> And he's reminding, John's reminding the church, he's reminding the church back then, just like he's reminding the church, you and me today, right, of who they are and what they believe, right? And again, John's not saying you don't need anybody to teach you. There's movements in churches of, well, I don't need to listen to anybody because the Holy Spirit's telling me how to live my life. I don't need to read the Bible because the Holy Spirit is telling me how to live my life. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to listen to a sermon. I don't need to go to youth group. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need. If you ever let that kind of feeling creep into your heart, can you not just automatically see how narcissistic that is? I don't need, I can do this all by myself. And we build an entire theology of living out our Christian faith entirely by ourselves, by one bad translation of verse 20. (laughs) It's not what John means because you can read all of John's other writings where he talks about the importance of community, the importance of confession, the importance of spurring one another on the importance of teaching, correcting, rebuking one another. (laughs) you and i desperately need one another to point us to jesus right and so john's kind of not saying you don't need anyone to teach it to to teach you john is appealing to the holy spirit's guidance when you are discerning against the lie and what is the lie that we just saw in point 2 that jesus is not the christ right You don't need to, when someone comes up to you and says, well, I don't, Jesus is not the Christ, you don't go, hmm, I should pray about that. The answer is no. The Holy Spirit will go, no, that's not right. The Holy Spirit goes, you don't submit to that. The Holy Spirit is not saying don't submit to Everything you hear about the teachings of the Bible and just figure it out all on your own. That's not what it's saying. It's in relation to everything that's come before it, it's in relation to the lie. You don't need someone to teach you this because you already know it. It's the foundation of everything of who you are. And the Holy Spirit will go, Nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And then maybe some other doctrines over the years, you know, holy smokes, I was wrong. That's a great, great experience. Anyone ever believe something and you used to fight for it and you don't believe it anymore? Right? That's a weird feeling, man. But it's so freeing. (laughs) Especially when you give up any kind of yucky stuff you're hanging on to. Right? The Holy Spirit will speak up when the Antichrist show up in our lives trying to lie to us about Jesus. Right, And so we have to learn to deal with this teaching of the Holy Spirit, of listening to him, of, of recognizing his voice so that we can know when the lie is coming our way about who Jesus is. Right, And so how does this impact us in becoming like Jesus? Again, just a few questions and write these down and chat about them in your family or in your own quiet time. Right, Do you realize that you're in the last hour? you realize that there is a spirit that this spiritual battle is real and you're a part of it and God's called you and wants to equip you to play a role in it, right? Are you more concerned with what Jesus deniers say more than what the Holy Spirit says, right? And are you letting the Holy Spirit teach you more and more and more about Jesus, See, because that's the journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a journey of discerning between the truth and the lies. Because there is no gray when it comes to God's plans. There is no gray when it comes to God's incredible love for you. That God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, and Jesus, will have everlasting life. And that Jesus didn't come into the world in order to condemn the world. Because in our sin, we were already condemned. (laughs) And Jesus came because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. (laughs) That's foundational. And everything, everything in human history depends on our response to that truth. (laughs) The other stuff, we could figure it out and wrestle with it and love one another through the challenges of interpretation and all of that. But that's core. That's not black and white. It's one or the other. And maybe today you need to accept that as the truth. And you can actually accept that real easy. The Bible says just believe in your heart that it's true. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. Say, Jesus, I need you come into my life and make me new. And if you pray like that today, church online, click the pop-up. If you pray that way in your heart, this way, this morning, come and see me in the cafe and tell me, I want to rejoice and celebrate with you. Right? Light or darkness. It's light or darkness. And there are intentional liars trying to take you away from Jesus. God's, beautiful prize whom jesus died for learn to discern from the lies as you trust in the holy spirit speaking into your life about who jesus is let's pray father god i thank you for the reminder in this short few verses today about the challenge that we face in our world the challenges that we face as men and women and boys and girls who love Jesus. And Father God, um, forgive us when we believe the lie more than we believe your truth. Father God, forgive us when we want the lie more than we want the truth. Because God, we want to know your incredible love We want to know the peace of your presence. We want to know the purpose of your plans for our lives, for our church, for our world. And so God, as we worship Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this place, speak to all of us. May your anointing that fills this place speak to us about the amazing name of Jesus and who he is, and what he has done, and what he continues to do today in this present, and what he will do in the days to come. And so, Father God, guard us, I ask, from the lies, and help us to walk in all truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.